Hello, and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 109. My name is Matt, and on this week's show, we're going to be discussing the controversial flick, Blonde. It's going to be huge. Can't wait to get into it. It should be a fun discussion. I'm joined today by my forever co-host, Travis. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, Matt. You stoked to talk about Blonde? Yeah, this could be my last episode. <laughs> they're gonna, they're going to come after one or both of us after this episode, so mm-hmm. we'll have to see how this convo goes. But we'll uh, circle back to the review in a few minutes here. But first things first, um, what's been going on since we last talked, bud? I mean, you and I just hung out in person for uh, not counting your wedding, but. For the first time in like wedding didn't really two count. years. Let's be honest. I barely saw you. <laughs> yeah. We did get to snap a picture <laughs> with Tom, but <laughs> yes. um, Oh, I guess I should say that this originally was going to be our first uh in person episode in like over two years. Mm-hmm. Um but Haley wasn't feeling well, so Haley and I had to duck out before we had a chance to record in person. But originally this was it was gonna be even more huge. Alas, so that could have been dangerous. It, it could have been. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we're saving ourselves doing this uh, over uh, the internet instead. But um, yeah, we don't live too far apart, so I mean, it would be easy to do some in-person recording. And um, we did get to see Tom for a little bit too. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was huge. I also haven't really seen Tom much since. Uh, covid and everything changed <laughs> yeah even though you guys only live like what 30 40 minutes from each other i know he's a busy guy though he's a father of two and you know he's, a husband he's got a, a dutiful yeah. husband a good father a hard worker yep he doesn't I'm, have I'm time a couple for us. of those things i'm <laughs> <laughs> hard i'm now a husband of someone <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah uh tom probably has a little more house projects at home you know so i don't know He's you a have a lot guy. more you have more home at home though i saw true. that fucking thing dude jesus it's living huge. the life yeah <laughs> pretty sweet but it was the, it the, was fun the paul mansion mm-hmm yeah, it was nice to catch up in person, play some games, mm-hmm. drink some beer. Yep, drink, drink some beer. All the good stuff. Got to watch the Mariners uh, with their miraculous comeback. Absolutely insane comeback. <laughs> Both of us had given up when it was 8-1 to one Blue Jays. We were like, ah. Mm-hmm. So that's tomorrow's game. And then <laughs> did you, it was you. You checked the score, right? And you were like, oh, yep. it's 5-8 now. Yep. This could be interesting. And then, boy, was it interesting. Well, it sounded like as soon as they pulled Gossman, and this is, you know, a little too inside baseball here. <laughs> as soon as they pulled him, it sounded like the Blue Jays were going downhill. So I don't know how what his pitch count was at, but sounds like they should have just left him in because he was roasting the Mariners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but... Mariners in the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. Got through the wild card round into the divisional round against the uh, Cleveland Guardians. It's gonna. Oh no 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 no. Never mind. Scratch that. Houston Astros. Way mm-hmm. worse. Should be cool. Although it's I'm gonna be a I'm tough worried. series. Yep. But it's yeah. It's just exciting to see them in the playoffs again. And honestly, I didn't really. 
I mean, they are kind of a hot team right now, but you know, being being a Seattle sports fan, especially one of the Mariners, it's hard to predict them to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was enough that they even made it to a playoff game. Anything beyond that is just icing on top. Yeah, I would consider that a successful season. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> entering the playoffs. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, so that's that's what's been going on around here. Any uh, business we need to attend to before we uh, tackle this blonde review? Um, I don't think so. Cool. Okay. Well, fuck it. Let's just get right into it. This is going to be, this is what we came here for. So we're going to be reviewing the new Netflix original film, Blonde. Plot synopsis is a fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe. Film is written and directed by Andrew Dominic. It's an adaptation of a novel by Joyce Carol Oates. And the film stars Anna DeArmas as Norma Jean. We got um, Sarah Paxton is in this. Um, who else? Bobby Cannavale, uh, Adrian Brody. So, who's going first on this one? Do you want to go first or should I go first? Um, I'll go first. All right. So... Where do I start? <laughs> uh, it seems like there is a consensus on this movie. And in true yeah. Travis 2022 fashion, I am on the opposite side of the consensus. Going against the grain. Mm-hmm. That's my new thing this year. <laughs> uh, not sure how long it'll stick, but um, I don't know. That's just the way it's uh, panning out. Uh, I... I'm going to say I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be scared. I'm not going to hurt you. This is, a know, safe space. this is a safe space. I know that this movie is a little problematic, and I don't know who we should who should bear all the responsibility of this film, but it um, might be a little irresponsible of the re- director, but I do think uh, there's some responsibility on the viewer as well, and um, this movie is to be intended to watch in a certain way. And I think it's trying to do something very specific. Um, may not be accurate, may not be the most enjoyable, may not be, um, yeah, may not be the, uh, the film that everyone wanted it to be. I don't know what people really expected, but, um, Seems like people are not liking this, and it seems like it's mostly due to the reason that the movie's not really true to her life, and as a result, it's like tarnishing her legacy, and um, people are calling it exploitative and all these harsh words, which I totally can see that perspective, but I guess where I come from is... I didn't get necessarily wrapped up into that and kind of watched the movie for what it was going for and didn't really get too wrapped up into the, I don't know what you want to call it, the politics of the movie. But um, yeah, I thought that, I mean, the main thing, the main takeaway for me is like the filmmaking aspects. I thought it looked incredible. Um, I love the score. I loved 
uh, her performance, and I think the supporting cast does a really good job as well. Um, but yeah, I I just thought it was like a a great piece of filmmaking. Is it problematic? Sure, but I don't. You know me. I don't really get that invested in in movies. Not as much as other people may get invested. So mm-hmm. maybe I just don't have as much of a strong reaction to this or just movies in general. Um, but yeah, I I I kind of just viewed it as like a, a piece of art. I know that sounds kind of pretentious to say, but I think it is kind of a pretentious movie. Uh, not kind of, but very pretentious. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I it. It totally worked for me. Um, like I said, I I don't think it's doesn't have its issues, but I did ultimately really like it. Sure. Okay. Well, okay. Let me start by saying the things I liked about this movie. So I liked Anna DeArmas' performance a lot, and the score is great. Okay, now that I got that mm-hmm. out of the way, um, <laughs> I haven't hated a movie as much in quite a while. It's probably been several years. Um, just before I get into like the issues I have with its portrayal of trauma and more specifically Marilyn Monroe, I think at the end of the day, it's also just a fucking boring movie and I didn't enjoy my time. I know it's weird to say, use the word enjoy because it's, you're not meant to enjoy the movie in the traditional sense as far as like entertainment value goes, you know? I mean, this isn't like a Spielberg film. It's not like a rollicking good time. It's not like a happy biopic. But removing all of the just controversy surrounding, you know, choices that Andrew Dominic makes I just found it to be incredibly dull very pretentious there were some cool shots like there's plenty of cool images but at the end of the day it's just in service of nothing like I don't think Andrew Dominic is doing himself any favors by doing interviews saying that like there's no real reason for the aspect ratio changes or the black and white versus color or anything other than he's just trying to like use iconography from Marilyn Monroe's life, you know, like the actual moments and photographs that we're aware of from a pop culture perspective, which if anything gives even more ammunition for why what he has done here is exploitative and uh, just irresponsible, I think, in a way. But, I mean, I just... There's nothing here in this movie that I found enjoyable. So I know you had said that like it's going for a thing and you think it accomplished what it was going for, but I am curious when I'm done with my general impressions for you to elaborate, but I think the movie was just trying to show, you know, essentially the effect that trauma has on a person. And from his perspective, she wanted to be destroyed using his words. Um, But this is a real person who had a very public life. Tons of details about her life are, on record and it's not that you can't make a movie about her and her trauma she experienced a lot of trauma but you don't need to like add rape scenes or forced abortions when she had very public 
miscarriages due to a health condition she had. Like, I think it's fucked up and irresponsible that he chooses to insert this these things that never happened to make a point about trauma. Like, I just, it infuriates me. But the movie is based on a fictional novel. Correct. But that so stuff I'm the, alluding to is not in the novel. He added that stuff. You're sure? I'm 95% sure. All you of the, the all of the rapes, <laughs> <laughs> all of the rapes and the, the talking fetus abortion stuff, that is not in the book. I didn't, yeah, I didn't dig into it too much. Um, so I don't really know what is in the book or not in the book, but I thought I heard or read that it was like mostly pulled from the book. Like, yeah, may- maybe the abortion stuff and the rape stuff wasn't in it, but I think a lot of the other stuff was. I mean, the stuff with the people that she, like, that she dates, like the point A to point B, like the notes of her life that the movie covers, as mm-hmm. far as my understanding is, that's the stuff that's in the book. And, you know, it is supposed to be, it's a, a fictional biography or whatever. I, I don't remember the term that the the book and the movie choose to go by, but it's still, like, I'm, I'm curious. So what do you think, like, what was it about the movie that you think was successful as far as, like, because I just, I, I'm really struggling to understand, like, what, people are finding worked about this movie i don't know so i mean yeah it's like it's three hours long or near three hours long and it is pretty much hitting you over the head with what it's trying to say but i think it's just trying to like display like you said like someone's trauma in this scenario and then also um just like how how terrible we slash men used to be and still are in terms of like exploiting someone um, or like, you know, taking advantage of them. And I just think it was just like a a visual representation of all of that. And like, I, I totally get the whole part of it being like problematic using Marilyn Monroe, but I don't think this movie would have had the same profile if it was just like a random figure. You know, if it was not not like Starry Eyes is the same thing, but if it was like, you know, a Starry Eyes where <laughs> it isn't a, a known figure as the lead and, you know, it hits the same beats as Blonde. I just don't think it would have the same impact or have the same profile. And it does seem like, and I, I don't, for better or for worse, it does seem like this movie is trying to elicit a reaction from you. Like it's... um yeah, I think he's going for like a strong reaction in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, and I do think there's some stuff in the movie that shines a good light on her. And I just think that people are getting like too caught up in it or just like, I don't know, like too sensitive and just like completely discarding the movie. Because there's even people who are like, going on like tirades about this movie who haven't even seen it and i think that's kind of silly because you should at least watch the movie and like have your own opinion you know after being informed of the movie rather than just speaking on what you think 
or what you've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I understand that part of it. Like, don't you know? Don't be vocal and have an opinion on something on a piece of art that you haven't experienced. Like, I'm not like the PC police. You know, I'm not saying that this movie shouldn't have been made. I just think that if you're going to make a movie like this, you know, you have to be open to the criticisms and the the real harm that it can cause people. And I think part of what you're alluding to as far as like people, you know, not watching it and being very vocal about this movie is that similar to the Dahmer Netflix thing, like there were people who knew Marilyn and were her friends that came out and said you know when the novel came out hey this is gross this is exploitative don't support this same thing when the movie came out like i think i understand that perspective where if you're like okay well if the people who knew her best think that there are maybe some nefarious motivations at play here and they're asking people not to support it that's one thing but like don't go on a soapbox on the internet about how fucked up it is when you haven't even seen it, I think is what you're getting at. Right. Like (laughs) if you're, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have an opinion or a criticism, like at least meet the movie on its terms, experience it, and then you can form your own opinion after that. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Well, and I mean, in regards to her story, like, or what actually happened and what actually happens in the movie, um, Shit, where was I going with this? Um, <laughs> uh, I lost my train of thought. That's but. okay. If you could just interrupt me if, if it comes back to you. But um, I, I guess my issue is that uh, just the optics that are at play here. I mean, it's a movie. The I know the novel is written by a woman, but it's adapted by written adapted and directed by a man and he's choosing to tell this story about a woman and the way that she was treated and the trauma that was inflicted upon her and how she coped with that under the a very bright spotlight but it's like this is 2022 like this is like a caveman's idea of trauma. It's like he had a literal like checklist of well, all of the ways that you can do something bad to a woman and he just checked all the boxes and it's just like so uninteresting and just kind of gross because there's no nuance to it it's just like watching her being beaten and raped and like the fact that she he spends so much time circling back to you know the her daddy issues and if she just had a mom that wasn't you know schizophrenic maybe she would have turned out better and like the fact that she wanted to destroy herself and like if i took a if i drink a shot of alcohol every time she says daddy daddy i would have died 30 minutes into the film like it's (laughs) fucking gross like but that was i mean that was intentional i mean i know it's intentional It's, it's very blunt with what it's trying to say and do and to your point of like a caveman's like you know telling of of this or whatever i I think this was in development for like over 10 years or so not that that like fully excuses 
how bl- blunt it is or how obvious it is with what if anything it almost makes it worse dude <laughs> like he reading the interviews he's like this is i've wanted to make this movie my whole career it's all i've thought about every time well, i had an opportunity it just slipped through my fingers and it's like this is what you wanted to do you wanted to depict a woman being raped several times and beaten and do drugs and have daddy issues I, like, I this think is what just, you want to do <laughs> i think you're focusing too much on the negative though Cause like I, I think he's trying to like just show like you know a celebrity or like an icon's like true horror, and not that this is Marilyn's exact story or any other celebrity's exact story, but like I think it's just showing like how. And yes, it's obvious we we get it. It's been done before, whatever. But um, it's just like showing how these people can essentially be like you know eaten up and spit out from like the the people who are like in charge of her career help guide in her career her fans her i don't know there's like some friends in the movie but and then like she doesn't really have like a good like you know family situation so i don't know it's just showing like how this person who kind of had like a troubled you know, she was kind of dealt a bad hand from the beginning and then she gets caught up in the Hollywood and then her life just essentially goes to shit. But it, I don't think it's really even like her doing or I don't even think it's showing her in a bad light. It's just showing how all these people kind of like pressured her or warped her and pushed her to the the edge or the brink where, you know, she essentially overdoses yeah but i like i get that but she has like no agency in the film like she the whole movie is just her being victimized at every turn and she's just like portrayed though a little bit barely like she does stick up for herself on the phone at one point like regarding like the salary discrepancy or whatever but like she and (sighs) i mean they do i mean the, the way they like recreate some of the sequences and like her acting and her being like you know photographed and stuff i think there's some stuff in there that like paints her in a good light and then the stuff that you know paints her in a bad light i don't think it's necessarily painting her in a bad light it's painting everyone else around her in a bad light i don't know i don't think it i don't think it paints her in a bad light i don't think that's the issue at hand i just feel like the movie doesn't have any compassion for her i don't think the movie has compassion for norma jean the real person who lived a very public life or marilyn monroe like his character as portrayed in the film and that's part of the reason why it feels so gross and i get that that's the point but it's just over and over again we see all this horrible stuff happen to her and sure it can't there are scenes that are effective and it makes you feel a certain way but like to what end like what is what is the movie saying at the end of the day that women more so back then but still today are victimized and shoot up and spit out by the system like yeah we get it like why did it need to be three hours long and so graphic and take a real person's life who had a lot of agency in her own life and there's so much actual trauma that he could have explored without like fluffing it up and making it like an exploitation flick essentially 
Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. And I back to your point about this being like his passion project. I do think Andrew Dominic is interested or maybe even borderline obsessed with America and just, um, just, it, I'm not like smart enough or well-versed enough in his films to really go in deep on this. But, um, I know Jesse, the assassination of Jesse James, that movie's like breaking down the myth of like the American hero or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, killing him softly is kind of like shining a light on, like the Reagan era and capitalism of America and yeah. how like it's, you know, kind of a shitty system, even though we like pretend like this is the greatest country ever, you know? Um, right. It's the opposite of then, those movies that glorify that type of story. He's trying to like deconstruct it. Yeah. So I think yeah. he's trying to do something similar here with, you know, just like Hollywood and celebrity and fame and all that. Um, it just seems like he may have, I don't know. It seems like a good canvas for what he's trying to do, but to the, all the reasons you've pointed out and, you know, everyone else, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah, it, it just makes it problematic. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, like the optics don't help that it's like a movie about a woman being abused by the men in her life made by a man. Like, not that like he can't, I'm not saying he, can't make this movie because he's a man it's just he is rightfully receiving a lot of heat because yeah, it makes i do th- it looks bad you know? i mean th- yeah the book it was based on was written by a woman and mm-hmm. i do feel that if this was directed by a woman there still might be some criticism but i don't think it would be to the level that it is i mean i've seen people saying that i mean this is hyperbolic as fuck but <laughs> Uh, I saw someone's review basically saying that men should not direct movies anymore because of <laughs> Blonde, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, I mean, they were probably being facetious for for the joke, like you know. But I don't know. They were pretty pissed off in their <laughs> review. <laughs> this is it. This is the last straw. No more men making movies. <laughs> now I will ask you: Do you think there is a version of this movie? that you would like you know maybe it's an hour shorter maybe it's directed by a woman maybe it uh doesn't uh try and use marilyn monroe as the lead yes i think there's a version of this movie like not necessarily a version of this movie where the point is like the the trauma so here i'll give you an example so i feel like a, a, a movie that there are some parallels to that's recent as far as like a uh, fictional Can I, inner uh, life are you gonna make a guess to what i was gonna say well i was gonna say it's it's kind of similar to spencer in a way that's yes that's exactly what i was gonna say oh, okay <laughs> and i think spencer and the main difference is that spencer has compassion for its main character its protagonist like the movie mm-hmm. is about her inner life and it's not entirely rooted in reality but it's showing like the toll that the public eye brought on her and it's going for a very specific tone but what's the important distinction is that at the end of the day the movie has compassion for its subject spencer excuse me not spencer blonde as far as i'm concerned 
doesn't have compassion for its subject. And I don't know if it doesn't have compassion. I think it's just more focused on the like the trauma, like horror, horrific nature of the movie. Well, see, you can still make like plenty of horrible stuff did happen to her. Like one thing that I found really interesting when I was doing some research that the movie doesn't get into is that the reason why she was addicted to like barbiturates is because back in those days, the movie studios had like studio doctors. So like if you were, you know, one of signed to a movie studio or whatever that you went to the studio doctor and they just would prescribe drugs to Marilyn to treat, you know, her mood disorder or, you know, whatever she would come to. And she got addicted to it. And when she did, they didn't help her. And, you know, I think that is a way more, that could be way more interesting than what th- this movie is concerned about. Like the actual, like the the way that she was treated, the pushback that she got from the men in the studio, from the doctors who ruined her life. Didn't, like, um, didn't Judy Garland deal with some of that in Wizard of Oz? Yeah. Yeah, all those, a lot of those actresses and actors too, but mostly the actresses as far as the mistreatment from that era had basically no agency over their own careers. And, yeah. you know, I feel like it just, it focuses on the wrong things. And I get he had a specific vision in mind, but it just feels disrespectful to the very real, like, very iconic. Like, she's one of the, she's got to be one of the most recognizable figures in modern human history you know like i bet if they did some study where it's like you show like images of you know michael jordan and uh you know ronald reagan you know just like i bet marilyn monroe is one of the most recognizable faces ever but to your point and not that it really makes a difference but i think everyone knows who she is but if you ask most people say our age i bet you they've seen maybe one marilyn monroe movie if we're lucky. Sure. I have, I've, I mean, I have not seen any Marilyn Monroe movies, but I know a lot about her and a lot of the iconography that the movie uses, I'm familiar with just through absorbing it through pop culture. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I knew, I realized that I knew more about her life than I thought just because she's so, I mean, she's just one of the most fucking famous people ever, you know, like as far as like American pop culture goes. So mm-hmm. I realized that like, so much of her life I just like absorbed through osmosis over the years, even though I had never seen her movie. So it's not like, like one of the criticisms that I've seen coming from the other camp, like the defenders of the film are saying like, you know, why do you care so much about Marilyn Monroe? Like you've never seen her movies. She's been dead for 50 years. You know, it's like, what do, what do you care? And I just think that's not, fair to her legacy in the sense that she's just like it's like elvis you know like i'm not a good example because i like elvis and i've listened to a lot of elvis music but like most people what could probably name one elvis song like they've never seen any of elvis's movies but they know what he looks like and they know a lot about his life you know speaking of elvis andrew dominic would have directed the shit out of elvis Sorry, Baz. (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't seen Elvis, but I want to. But yeah, I mean, he could have. Well, I saw Elvis, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And then as I was watching Blonde, I was like, man, if Andrew Dominic directed Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) We were robbed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would have been. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I mean, a a, a Laz Berman uh, version of Blonde probably would have been. I'll grant less interesting. I guess you know probably would have been a lot more glossy and but I think they would have been shallow in similar ways. It's just one would have been, you know, Boz Lerman's would have been significantly less confrontational <laughs> than this version that we got. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's just parallels with their careers to a degree, just being taken advantage of and the pressures of their career and fans and all that. Oh sure, sure, and the you know the the drug abuse and how mm-hmm. it took a toll on their lives. Yeah. Now yeah. back to your um, Spencer point. I will. I mean, for those who listen to the show, that was my number one of twenty twenty one. So mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of that movie, and I do agree with you that that is probably the better movie. Um, because they're. I mean, they're both visually stunning, but mm-hmm. I think. I mean, one's going for like one weekend while one is trying to like cover an entire life. So they are different in that sense. But um, I do think, yeah, like you said, the director has a little bit more compassion for its subject. Mm -hmm. But again, I I think that one was trying to be more authentic while this one is not. It's, I mean, it's kind of like his cop out, but he's going to live and die by saying that I used that fictional novel as my source material. And, you know, so here's my movie. And, but it sounds like people even had issue with the the novel, but I do know that there are also fans of the novel as well. Like some people think it's amazing. So, well, yeah, I I think similar criticisms are lobbied at the novel. It's just that like what, what, what was in the novel Dominic either added more stuff to it or turned it up to 11. And, you know, the fact that it's a visual medium plays a factor too. Like reading words on a book in a book is a little different than like, you know, having an actress portray this person and seeing, you know, these images of like, you know, violence and abuse being inflicted on this person, both physical and emotional, you know, it's, it packs a different punch, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say like, I don't, I, we don't need to do spoilers. I'm not going to do anything specific, but like, I don't know. Like, I guess the main thing that I like the, just the grossest thing for me is that she, she had a, what's it called? Uh, endometriosis. So she, it's well documented that Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean, really wanted to have children, but she wasn't able to because of a health condition, right? Like, that's sad. That's tragic. But mm-hmm. this movie, does that's not the approach that this movie takes. And I'm not going to go into specifics other than but the... Like, she gets blown over care. by a... She gets blown <laughs> over by a stiff wind on the beach and falls on her tummy and loses a pregnancy. I was like, are we really doing this right now? It was like when that scene happened, I was like, this, this is not, this is gross and silly. And why are she more so tripped rather than got blown over? (laughs) I viewed it as like, there was like a surge of wind and she like, I don't know, got her feet stuck in the sand or whatever. And just like belly flopped on the sand. But when I, when that happened, cause that's like, that's the second 
baby that she loses or maybe even the third baby i don't even remember at this point but like it's just i don't know like i draw the line at that like if you're gonna use a real person and portray their life on screen like to take something that was so sensitive to her and to like do this fucked up stuff for dramatic intent like to further illustrate your point that you've already hammered into the fucking ground for two and a half hours like it rubs me the wrong way yeah i mean it just sounds like no matter what you will just not get over that this is i mean and not saying that you're wrong for feeling that way but it just seems like you can't get past that he's using marilyn monroe as a fictional character which i get it has like just saying that can can be problematic because you're using someone else's likeness or whatever and portraying them in a certain way on screen and people are going to watch it and view it as you know fact which i think that responsibility falls on the viewer you need to do a little bit of homework you need to you know you need to know what you're watching don't just believe everything you see take it in as <laughs> fact <laughs> I don't know. It's a messy movie. It, like we could literally go on and on about how problematic this movie is, but I don't know. For me, I'm just not really interested in that. Maybe I'm too insensitive. Maybe I'm not woke enough. I don't know. <laughs> but um, we could talk. I I think you're underselling the the filmmaking in this movie. I, no matter how much it pissed you off, and no matter how much of a like three hour torture porn masturbation fest this was. The movie did look pretty great. Yeah, but that's that's not enough for me. Like, it's the same reason why I don't like Neon Demon. Like, yeah, it's pretty to look at, but it's empty and vapid. Like, uh, real quick, so I do want to hear you talk about, like, what, what you liked, like, from a filmmaking perspective. But I do just want to circle back to something you had said earlier about how you think the movie wouldn't have been as impactful if it had been like a fictional person like maybe loosely based on Marilyn Monroe but like a fictional person I think it's it would have been less problematic but at the end of the day it would still be a bad movie for me the reason being that it's just too heavy-handed with what it's trying to go for and doesn't feel like an actual very one note yes very one note and the one note is not a note that I enjoyed. Like even re- removing all of the controversy, I don't think that it's a good movie. Narratively speaking, it's pretty to look at, sure, but it's not cohesive. Like all those aspect ratio changes and the shifting back and forth between black and white and color, like it didn't do anything for me. It just felt love that shit. It just felt messy. Like <laughs> other than like. There were a couple cool transitions, but like, I'm not, it's not enough to save a three hour movie because there's like a cool oh. waterfall transition. Like, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. You know? That's like, a new all timer. <laughs> oh, barf. <laughs> I will, I will say, I want to hear you talk about uh, the uh, filmmaking stuff you like, but I will give the movie credit for one specific visual thing, and that is the sex scene early on, like the threesome. With like mm-hmm. the the warped body parts, where it's like, I don't know if it was like the the lens it was using, but it was like so, like like the opposite of 
like fishbowl or something. It was like was like stretching their bodies and like the way it was moving across the screen like was so cool. And I haven't seen anything like that. I'll give it credit there. That was the one truly memorable like visual that was like rad. technical thing. Everything else, maybe it was just because I was so like turned off by the movie. Like none of it left an impact on me. That's literally the only thing I can point to and be like, okay, credit where credit's due. That was cool. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. But the, the <laughs> waterfall transition on the bed, it's right up there with the, the Phantom Thread transition that no I way. bring up from time Phantom to time. Phantom Thread kills Blonde, dude. <laughs> I mean, the waterfall thing was... It was it was neat, I guess, but... Oh, it was so rad. Um, <laughs> the fire stuff at the beginning, I thought, looked amazing. Um, When the mom is, like, trying to drive through the Hollywood Hills. Yes, yeah, with the smoke. That was cool. I wasn't a huge mm-hmm. fan of the, like, fire effects, like, when, when they go in the house and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't look great visually. Mostly but... when they were on the road. Yeah. No, that was That's that was I'm... cool alluding to yeah um and then yeah the everything about the three-way sex scene was amazing um (laughs) the recreations of some of the iconic images or movies like the the shot with um recreated from the seven-year itch where she's wearing the white dress and the oh the sewer like where it blows up her her dress yeah yeah i thought that looked really cool and it was like Maybe trying to like fetishize her, you know, I mean, just making her look, you know, provocative or whatever. Um, I like that. But then when it like pans away from her, it's just like a sea full of men. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Because, um, I mean, again, it's beating you over the head with it. But um, I don't know. I just thought it was a cool image of. You know, because like from her perspective, she just sees a sea of men. But in actuality, that's probably not the case. I'm sure there was like, you know, a good mix of men and women on set that day or watching that sequence. Sure. Yeah. But the the point the movie is trying to make is, you know, sea of men ogling her dress floating and seeing, you know, her, her knickers, you know, Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and I then, don't... um, the, one of the premieres when, um, she like is walking down the red carpet and, um, again, a sea of men, but like all their mouths are like digitally and like recreated or enhanced to just look way bigger than normal. Like it's like a natural, mouth size (laughs) um just further you know pushing his point that he's trying to make yeah i i don't know it's just too much it's that that stuff's not interesting to me it's like a i mean like i called him a caveman earlier but it's just i if you're gonna tell a story about trauma like have some nuance or something like this what do what do we learn from this movie that she was a tragic figure and she was mistreated by the people, specifically the men in her no, life. But it's like, yeah. not about her specifically. <laughs> or just women she, in general. Like, what do we learn? Yeah, men just... were and are shitty. Like, we know. Why do we need to see it portrayed on screen for three hours? Horrible abuse. Like, to what end? To For the point to be men are shitty? Yeah, we know. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like... Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you didn't. I didn't need to watch I mean, a fucking three hour movie that to is, know that. That is the theme of this year for sure, especially in film. <laughs> what men are trash? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, another thing I wanted to point out um, is, and this is this is like Andrew Dominic level of uh, <laughs> obvious. But, um, <laughs> this movie also kind of reminded me of uh, Britney Spears' real life to a degree. Uh, just how do you feel what, about that? Like, <laughs> in the sense that, like, very public life, and she kind of like had a public meltdown, and like, the, like her dad, like the way her dad, like the conservatorship thing, like, what, or you yeah, just I mean just, like a highly publicized woman? Like, what? no, I, I just like basically, you know, she was like the hottest thing at one point, and then like her success and her fame, like essentially ruined her for a multitude of reasons. And I think the movie is trying to do the same sort of thing for this character, but it's not necessarily trying to like, you know, it's not, this is the biography of Marilyn Monroe. It's just, this is a depiction of like celebrity and icon and how, you know, you, you think on the surface, everything is great. But then, in actuality, it's not. And there's all these, like, outside forces or pressures that kind of push you to your demise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But my pushback to that would be, I think, that an exploration of, like, the very real ways in which... Britney's life, Marilyn's life were like ruined by media attention and people higher up like mistreating them and using them and abusing them is far more interesting than the cartoon version that we see in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I want to see like that should be interesting. And I just. But uh, we're not going to get Andrew Dominic's filmmaking then. And that's fine. I don't need it. Well, I need it. If if this was directed by like, I don't know, give me a generic director with like zero visual flair or little visual flair. If that person directed it, not interested. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> who's been clamoring? What was the last movie Andrew Dominic made? Was it Killing Them Softly? Well, he's been doing some like Nick Cave documentaries. Oh, yeah. I think. I mean, I so but, yeah. His last feature, I think, was Killing Them Softly, which came out in 2012. Yeah, and to your point, that's a great movie. Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, great movie. But like, mm-hmm. if he never made another movie, like I would have been fine. I haven't been clamoring for another movie from him. Like, <laughs> he's not like. I mean, all I guess now. There's no. Part are you there. out on this guy? Um. No, I'm not. I'm not going to write him off just because I think that he made an. You're not going to write movie. him and the rest of the the men filmmakers off. Because of this. <laughs> Listen, I'm done with men. Okay, unless your name is John Carpenter, <laughs> you can get fucked. Or Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman gets a pass. Um, but I just you know, I'm am I am I going to be critical of whatever the next movie he makes? 
sure like when i found out that the guy who made those other movies was making marilyn monroe movie like i was like oh cool like that could be good but Mm -hmm. you know i don't feel like one of my heroes has been killed or anything you know (laughs) like i don't feel like i've been betrayed or anything i just had a very negative reaction and i will say before we move on um that i tried to like come in to the movie with an open mind like it's it's been a very public Did backlash you, against the movie. Well, that are you referring to the fact that I said I saw a cl- an out of context clip on Twitter? Yeah, you did send Paris and I a text saying that you're pre watching this at a point five. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> I wasn't actually doing that, but I did see that clip out of context, and I was like, "Woof!" Like we're off to a bad start here. In context, if anything, it's worse than out of context. So I like the movie didn't do itself any favors, but that scene does play pretty poorly removed. So, but I wouldn't say that if influenced it, how I was going to watch it because maybe in context, like I maybe I would have loved it. But like I if said, if it makes it you feel worse. better, the abortion stuff was probably my least favorite stuff. Well. Doesn't make me feel better or worse, but <laughs> it is an observation. <laughs> um, okay, I don't have anything else. I think I went through all my notes. Um, let's see. Oh, I did want to touch on some more beautiful sequences, maybe just like one or two. I did love the the moments when her and Adrian Brody's character are like it's almost as if they're taking like wedding photos or like engagement photos they're like you know being shot through the like woods or whatever i thought that looked amazing yeah and then there was also a moment in the movie where she was being photographed like through roses and then there was like this really cool zoom in on a rose i thought that also looked really cool mm mm-hmm. mhm um, did you like the, uh, the dad astral ending? Oh God, no. Oh my God. Dad astral. <laughs> no, that was, that was bar for me. I was like, okay, of course that's how the movie ends. <laughs> I mean, that was the, the, the cherry on top. Yeah. Oh, did you happen to, um, apparently it was confirmed just this year. Uh, who her real father was. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Yeah. Her mom had an affair with someone at the movie studio. Oh. I guess her mom worked... I don't know exactly what she did, but she worked as like a like a admin type thing, like paperwork or I don't know, doing stuff for a movie studio. And she had an affair with someone who worked at the movie studio. And through like DNA testing or something, they were able to confirm that that guy is was is her real father. Apparently that just happened this year. So it was her destiny. <laughs> I guess so. To be a star. Yeah. So uh that's all I got. But anything else you want to bring up before we do star ratings? Mm. No, I think I'm good. Okay. I think we, we did a good a good uh, conversation on this. I think we, we touched mostly everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. So 
let's give our star ratings. Um, I gave Blonde one point five stars. Worst movie of two thousand twenty-two. Ouch. <laughs> I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm giving it the full five, and it is currently my favorite movie of the year. Damn. <laughs> Truly opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum. My worst and your favorite. God damn. Interesting. Okay. Well, cool. We haven't had a, a, a split like this in a very long time. No, so. we have not. I mean, it it would take a movie like this to do this. So. Right. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Sick. Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, what else we've been watching. Um, you mind if I go first? Uh, go for it. Um, I Well, let me start by saying this. So Haley and I saw Terrifier 2. But before I talk about Terrifier 2, we did get in a rewatch of the first Terrifier. And... I talked about Terrifier. It's been a while. I saw it maybe two or three years ago at this point. But um, the original Terrifier is about a killer clown. His name is Art the Clown. And it is a movie that is basically about the kills and about the special effects and the gore. The first Terrifier as a movie, like from a filmmaking perspective, is pretty bad. The acting is really bad. The writing is really cringy. It looks like shit. Basically, everything is kind of terrible about the first movie, except for Art the Clown, like as far as the character design, his portrayal, and the kind of vibes. Because it's a movie that like is does have a sense of humor, but is was meant to be like a horror gore fiends type of horror movie. Um not a great film, but I enjoyed the first Terrifier for what it was going for. Um, Terrifier 2, long delayed, uh, especially it got delayed by the pandemic, finally got a release, and it, it was like a, like a Fathom event. It didn't get a wide release. I mean, wide through Fathom, but it's not like playing in you know multiplexes everywhere. It's pretty limited release. Um, Terrifier 2 is fucking amazing. I absolutely loved Terrifier 2. So the first film is like 85 minutes, like 90 minutes or something. This one is two hours and 20 minutes. It fleshes out the backstory of Art the Clown. It's super silly and over the top with the story it's going for, but it was very entertaining start to finish. And when I say that there are memorable kills in this movie. Most horror movies, especially ones that are kind of going for like kills and gore and stuff. will have like one or two super memorable scenes. Like it's where they put all the money towards the one kill. And it's like, that's the one that you remember. This movie has like a dozen super memorable kills and they are very gross. Like Buckets of blood, skin being ripped, limbs being torn off. Like, it is insane what this movie is going for from, like, a kill perspective. Um, But even just beyond that, like, the acting is way better. It looks way better. It's more confident in its tone. Like, it's laugh out loud funny. Like, Haley and I were cracking up at several times throughout the movie. And it's just, like... 
my brand of horror. Like it's just like revels in the bloody, gooey spectacle of it all. And Art the Clown is like super creepy and fun and memorable. And I just absolutely adored the movie. And I was kind of blown away by how successful it was for me. And I am going to watch Terrifier 3, 4, 5. Keep them coming. So you think it's it's great beyond just being a, a fan of the genre? I think you have to be a fan of like slasher films and mm-hmm. you have to have a high tolerance for gore. If you're cool with that, if you like slasher movies and you have a high tolerance for gore, gore. Now do you do you just have to have a high tolerance or do you have to get off on it? You probably want to get off on it a little, right? You'll probably only love it if you get off on it, you know, like, because I did. I got off big time. But yeah, like to your point, like if you can tolerate it, but it's not like your thing, eh, probably not for you. Like Mm -hmm. you really need if you're a type of person who loves crazy kills in movies and just like silly horror movies, like slasher flicks with like a murder, a killer clown, like you have to see this movie. But this is a movie that I would only recommend to like a very, very, very small subset of people. You know what I mean? Like if it's if you're in the intended audience, you will love it. If you're not, I wouldn't touch this movie with a 10 foot pole like you would like it. I think Travis Paris probably would, too, although it is it's pretty gross. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't violence. I don't really love um, like super gory stuff these days, but. I am intrigued by Terrifier 2, and I feel like I have to watch the first one just to see the second one. I would recommend it, especially because there's a scene, like, having said all of that about the kills and the gore, like, there's a specific scene from the first movie that is still, like, the ickiest, like... I don't want to spoil it, but like, even though everything in the second movie is like turned up to 11, like there's a specific sequence in the first movie that like it's known for, like it's, that's what people remember when they think about that movie. So Mm -hmm. I would say watch the first one. Um, But it's the type of gore where it's like, it's not realistic. You know what I mean? Like a movie like martyrs or inside or something is, is tougher to stomach than this. But it is pretty gross. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not like tough to watch. Like it is it is gnarly, but it's like over the top insane gnarly, you know? It's like a different type of gore. Yeah, like the sadness, right? <laughs> the the sadness I will say is probably more gross than Terrifier Two. Hmm. For sure. But Terrifier Two is is more fun. That but that's sense. a good comparison. They, they they both are reveling in like the messiness. Of I mean, the kills. sadness is going for like the max. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and sadness like has less of a sense of humor. I do think it does have a sense of humor, but it's it's less obvious. You know, yeah, like it's trying to a very make... fucked up sense of humor. Yes, and Terrifier has a. a, a sick sense of humor too but it's like more explicitly funny sadness is like trying to gross you out as much as it can and so is terrifier but it's like trying to be it sounds like about it terrifier 2 might be winking 
a little bit with the humor while the sadness doesn't really do that. Yes. And with the gore too. Like I will say the okay. So very very small spoiler, but it's it's going to give you an idea of like what this movie's going for. The grossest scene in the movie goes on and on and on and you're like, "Oh my god." And then you think it's over. There's like a brief lull. And then Arthur the Clown comes back carrying bleach and salt and literally <laughs> goes back to his victim and like rubs salt in the wounds and pours bleach on the person. Oh, like wow. it's that kind of like <laughs> Jesus. But it's like it's over the top, right? It's silly. Like yeah. it's meant to be like, oh, my God, like, are, you, are we really doing this right now? And it's funny. So that's the only like thing. The see the scene is still going to blow your mind whenever you have a chance to watch it. But um. Yeah, like I said, I can only recommend that movie to a very small subset of people, but if you know my taste in horror movies or the sounds appealing to you, I think it's a must-see. Uh, I ended up giving it five out of five. It's one of my favorite films of the year. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say when Terrifier 1 came out, I was just uh, didn't really care. You know, haven't, haven't really prioritized watching it. And then when I saw Terrifier 2 was coming out and saw that runtime, I was like, you got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what is this guy doing? But based on your response, I'm interested. So I probably will watch both of these. I don't know about this Halloween or this month, but um, hopefully within the next year or so. I'd like to catch Terrifier 2 before the year ends. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be on uh, Screambox, I think. So the the movie is like the distributed. Is that? <laughs> it's bloody disgusting. So the horror site... I guess they have like a, it's almost like a Shutter competitor. It's a streaming service. Sounds like Shutter just needs to buy them out. Buy out. (laughs) (laughs) Merge the brands or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But they, so it was basically all crowdfunded. Like that's part of the reason why it appeals so deeply to me is because it's clearly made by a true horror fan and it's supported by people who love horror because it's like an Indiegogo Mm -hmm. campaign. So it's like clearly catering to the fans and you can tell there's so much like love that went into this thing. sounds weird to say about a movie like this, but it's just like so carefully crafted. And um, one last thing I'll say, uh, because it was a fathom event, they had like a five to 10 minute little thing at the end where they like uh, bloody disgusting podcasters like interviewed Damien Leone, the director and the guy who played art, the clown and they told a story about um, the like the the craziest kill in the movie. They actually shot most of it right before the pandemic, and then the pandemic like shut down production. And the director actually viewed it as like a blessing because it gave him more time to like flesh that out and make it even crazier. Because he's like a he's a special effects guy, so the writer director he also edited it and did a lot of the special effects like the prosthetics and the animatronics and stuff. So he like during the pandemic was like, okay, well I don't have much to do, you know, we can't shoot. So he just like spent a bunch of time like building the prosthetics and like fleshing out that scene. Um, so you can tell he's got a, a deep love for, for this kind of stuff. So highly recommended if it sounds like your thing. Pretty cool. Seems Very like cool. he's got his, uh, his new horror icon, or we have our new horror icon. 
I would say so. Yeah, we don't get those very often. I mean, what would no, the not. last one be? Fucking Malignant? I don't even remember that thing's name. What was, was his it? name? Fuck. Gabriel or something? I, that sounds right. Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> That's the closest thing I can think of, but it's still... Art the Clown is better. Yeah. Pearl <laughs> is making a run, too. Pearl's pretty cool. Dif- different kind of... Uh, Again, Art the Clown is like f- for like a horror, like gore hound slasher thing. Like Art the Clown is, yeah. I mean, you just I'm just look at the pictures so of the fucking guy. Like he's iconic ugh. characters from horror films slash franchises. Oh sure, yeah, it rooted in a deep love of of horror, um, like love letters to horror, basically. Yeah, Pearl's definitely in the mix there. Cool. Well, All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, most horror movies these days just aren't that iconic so right or they're just rehashing old like i mean we have a fucking hellraiser remake we got (laughs) halloween ends coming out in a week like (laughs) yep they've remade texas chainsaw a few times yep several done it all (laughs) running out of ideas but now we've got art the clown so hopefully we get fucking like 10 to 15 of these things until it's no until it's no longer good just like all right. the other horror, all the great horror franchises. Well, if, if Damien Leon stays on board, then maybe the level of quality will stay up there. I feel like it could run into like John Wick syndrome where it's like there's a ceiling at a certain point of like how crazy you can. Yeah. I don't well, know. And like... He might get interested in doing other stuff and then just pawn it off to like smaller directors. Right. But we'll, since, we'll still have know, to see. there's enough of a following for it they could still make them because hatchet would be another good example on a smaller scale i mean it didn't really what's his name victor crowley Mm -hmm. yeah he didn't really touch the level of like you know michael myers or whatever but adam green he started that he made a couple i think and then turned it over to other directors and then i think it just finally fizzled out yeah jeepers creepers too i mean that's going oh, yeah. a little further back but that got the reboot you know reap like the spiritual sequel i don't really know what it is but that's uh that's another one too another recent relatively recent one Th- they'll they'll remake them all don't worry yeah yeah we're <laughs> out of ideas <laughs> movies are bad right i know what you did last summer is due soon for a remake they made a tv show oh there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Did MTV do that one? <laughs> no, Amazon. Oh, okay. I think there might even be two oh. seasons of it. Another TV show that was made by something that's already been done to death. Did you see that Showtime is doing a Let the Right One In series? No, really? We already have the the movie and the remake of the book, <laughs> but let's do a TV series now. Well, and even um fucking non-horror American Gigolo, they turned that movie into a TV series that is also on Showtime. So Showtime is just desperate for IP right now. <laughs> well, they got uh, they got Yellow Jackets. So, I mean, they got one bona fide hit on their hands, but that's true, and that's that's original, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, they need. They're looking for their Game of Thrones though, and they still haven't uh, <laughs> um, found it. <laughs> Well, they might they might have their lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can go. Uh let's see. I will touch on a couple things. 
Did I talk about Spin Me Around last time we spoke? No. Did you watch that on uh, Bang Bros? <laughs> no. <laughs> I watched it on AMC+. Plus. It's the new movie starring Allison Brie and Aubrey Plaza. Oh, I heard. Was there some Jack sort of controversy Baena? about that? Oh, I don't know. You would know better than me, Matt. You are on the Twitter discourse. Spin me round. I feel like there was some. There was there was minor, uh, minor discourse about this. I don't remember what it was. What it was all about, though. Well, I will say that I was kind of excited for this one based on who's in it and the premise. Uh, not a fan of the director. This is the director of Horse Girl, Life After Beth. The Little Hours and Joshy, if you're familiar with any of those. Yes, Horse Girl was dog shit. Um, mm-hmm. The Little Hours seemed... Uh, I liked what it was going for, but I s- didn't finish it, and I never went back to it. I was like mildly into The Little Hours, but I never finished that, so I, I can't really have a fully formed opinion on it. Yeah, well, he just makes like these weird offbeat indie comedies dramedies and none of them have really worked for me that i've seen i've seen all of them except joshy and i don't really like any of them what are you doing watching all these movies from filmmakers you don't even like (laughs) well this was like this was a you know this was a work in progress Jeff Baina or <laughs> Jeff your Bain, opinion? Yes. <laughs> no. And my opinion. It took five bad movies for you to be like, Four. okay, now I can confidently say that he is dog shit. Four. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that he has people in his movies that I like. So I see, you know, new movie with Alison Brie on Netflix. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm not just going to discard it because it's Jeff Baena. But now, after seeing Spin Me Around, this guy needs to make a banger for me to to be back in. S- seek out his movies. So I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> He's in movie jail <laughs> for me until you say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, Spin Me Around. Um, you can watch it on AMC Plus right now. I I don't even know if it had like a limited release this year. I know it played at like SIF earlier this year, hmm. um, but yeah, pretty small release. Um, it's essentially about this girl who works for like a knockoff Olive Garden, and she's like a really good employee, and she like wins or gets gifted a trip to Italy um, f- for like a, I guess like a just like a getaway, and she like gets involved in cooking classes and whatever. And so it seems like it's going to be this like great thing and that she's like, you know, potentially going to like fall in love. It's kind of got like a romantic comedy setup, but then this guy's trying to like do something different with it. So it just like goes completely off the rails. (laughs) And I just didn't really like where it ended up going. Like it just seemed like it was trying to be like weird or out there just for the sake of it. And I didn't really find it all that funny. I was yeah, I was into it like the first, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, but then it like takes a turn towards the end and that's when the movie pretty much lost me. Okay. But 
I don't know. I, I do like Alison Brie and Aubrey Plaza. So if you're also a fan of them, you could give it a poke. Um, Molly Shannon and Tim Heidecker are, are also in it for a little bit. Okay. So a stacked a cast list. Familiar faces. Yeah, but I don't know. Once you see the movie, you'll probably see what I'm saying. Well, I mean, you're not really selling it to me, so I don't <laughs> I don't know if I will or not, but well, if you're desperate for cram jam choices, here's one of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't really have much else to say about that one. Um I watched Vengeance, the new movie directed by, well, I think written and directed by BJ Novak. Oh, that came out? It's on Peacock now. Oh shit! I didn't even know it came out. That's the one. It's like a he's like a journalist or something, right? Or a podcaster or something. Yeah. So huh. yeah, the setup of that is he's he's kind of a shitty person. Like he's just you know doesn't really have any like serious relationships. Just kind of like sleeps with women and like I don't know. But he's trying to like find a story for himself to like for his podcast and to you know, have something to say or make something of himself. And essentially the setup of the movie is one of his flings dies and the family reaches out to him and is like, Hey, your girlfriend died. And he's like, what? (laughs) That's not my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) But then he, he kind of gets wrapped up in the story. Like he's just trying to use this story like to his advantage for his podcast. So he like goes to Texas to meet the family, go to the funeral and all that. Um, and then he gets kind of wrapped up in this murder mystery and he's, he's trying to use all of this for his podcast. But, um, yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think it's pretty funny. There's like a, this running bit where, um, his character, you, you know, when people, um, say like, instead of like, Oh, of course. Or, or right. They say, Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so, his character does that through the entire movie and it's pretty funny because there's a scene early on with him and John Mayer. They're like at this, like this like rooftop bar and they're like commenting on their like relationships and you know, their potential prospects and all that. And they're just like, you know, shooting the shit back and forth and Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. But they just keep doing it throughout the movie. But now I feel like this movie's ruined that fucking <laughs> term for me because now when everyone says it i just want to think of that (laughs) oh 100 percent. i'm like god damn it uh but yeah it's actually pretty funny i mean yeah i don't want to spoil too much of it um but i feel like he you know he kind of learned something on the way or through this and her family is like pretty sweet and there's there's some good moments with them and and him um yeah overall i think pretty good movie okay cool i didn't know it was on peacock i'll have to check it out i know Haley was interested too um let's see i've been watching a lot of horror films for 31 days of horror i'm attempting that this year nice yeah i've seen the letterboxd uh, entries uh don't haven't really liked too much of the ones I'm watching, but a lot of them I'm watching them just because they're short. (laughs) Classic Travis. The only qualifier. (laughs) Well, I got to fit 31 of these in a month, so. 
Got to be uh, economical. Gotta be smart with my choice, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, the only one I really want to. Well, I could talk about Glorious. Have you heard of that? No. Uh, it's got the guy from uh, True Blood, Anna Paquin's brother. I forget the his name in the the show, but he's a pretty big character in True Blood. If you've watched that. Nope. I only know uh, Anna Paquin and uh, Alexander Skarsgård as far as mm. True Blood people. Okay. Well, it's, uh, yeah, this is like kind of like a one-location, low-budget kind of horror movie. Um, even though I, I think it does look pretty good and does have some like out-there sequences for a low-budget movie. Um, oh yeah, I read the I read the letterboxed uh, synopsis for this one and was intrigued because I saw you I saw you logged it, and based on the the letterbox setup, it sounds cool. Yeah, so essentially, it's like about this this guy who maybe has like a drinking problem, but he's he like stops at a rest stop, goes to the bathroom, and basically gets locked in that bathroom. And then he's speaking to J.K. Simmons, who is like a demigod. <laughs> oh, so he's the voice that it's alluding to, like speaking yeah. with him. Oh, I didn't realize it was J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like a Lovecraftian in a way, just like some of the imagery and what it's going for. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I, I ultimately liked it. I mean, it's, I think it's going for a very like popular theme it's like basically like toxic masculinity and just like the 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 heritage of that um because both characters kind of deal with that in a way to a degree if if that makes any sense (laughs) (laughs) sure uh but yeah it's essentially just about his character trying to like grapple with uh like his issues and like his past relationship. And he, he does it all through talking to this demigod in, in the bathroom stall. <laughs> but um, yeah, due to its limited setup, I, I think it's, it's pretty successful. And um, yeah, I think it looks pretty good. Like the effects are pretty cool. Um, there's some cool colors and decent score. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to like blow you away. I don't think, but it's definitely, worth a watch if you're just like looking for something short streaming in this in this realm okay nice yeah that that might be one that i uh try and try and watch this month sorry where did you say it's streaming that one is on shutter shutter i think it's also on amc plus i'm pretty sure like i I don't know if everything that's on shutter is on amc plus but a lot of shutter stuff is on amc plus Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if they have the. There must be some sort of parent company crossover shit or something. Might be something to look into. Because if you pay for Shutter and you could pay the same amount for AMC Plus but get all of Shutter, you might want to make the switch. If if it has the full Shutter catalog, I'd consider it, but. It like is this is glorious a shutter <laughs> is, like no, is, i hear you i hear you <laughs> is glorious like because shutter does put out original content is glorious I original believe, content 
Glorious is a Shutter original. Oh, okay. Okay, so maybe I'll have to look into it because I know um, there's a lot of 2022 stuff that's on AMC+. Plus. Yeah, more than you would think. It's kind of crazy. Dude, streaming shit is getting out of fucking hand. I mean, it's been getting out of hand, but you've got to be fucking kidding me with this. I got fucking Peacock, Shudder, Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Plus, uh, HBO Max. Yeah, it's, it's too much, <laughs> man. <laughs> fucking too much. It's excessive. And then I have my giant fucking physical media collection as well. Right, just collecting dust. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just not enough time. I know. Too much content. I love content. Indeed. <laughs> Too much content and too many obligations. Well, if we're doing horror, do we want to go tit for tat? Or is that like the only one, only like horror um, stuff that you... Honestly, you? I probably only care to talk about like one or two more. So you can go ahead and then I'll go and then you can go again or we can close it out. I don't know how much you got on your plate. I only have I have two horror movies that I've been doing for October. I'm not officially doing a 31 Days of October, but... Kind of like I'm not mm-hmm. actively like trying to watch one every day to meet the goal, but Haley and I are trying to watch, you know, as much as we can. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Hell House LLC. Have you ever seen that? I have not. So it's on Shutter, probably on AMC Plus, but it's fucking it's they've made a couple of them at this point, but the original came on 2015 and it's um, like a found footage haunted house type movie. So it's about this group of friends who run haunted houses every year. And this is the first year that they've like, they're, they uh, used to do it in New York's like outside New York city, but now they've gone like upstate or something. And it's this like old hotel and they're going to convert it into a haunted house. So it's, you know, obviously some crazy shit starts to happen. It's a horror movie, but it's, pretty freaky there's like i don't get creeped out watching horror movies much anymore just because i've kind of seen it all at this point but you know there were a couple scenes watching this movie where like the hairs on the back of my neck were sticking up there's a couple good jump scares um so if you're a fan of found footage style horror um this one's pretty good it's not like amazing by any means um but you know the performances are serviceable um it's found footage, so it doesn't look great, but, you know, it's going for a specific kind of vibe. Um, but it's pretty good. There's some interesting twists and turns with, like, the the story. Um, the characters aren't super likable, but they're not, like, annoying, so it's, you know, it's, it doesn't detract from the movie. Um, but definitely worth the watch. It's 90 minutes, so, you know, it's worth so the So this poke. guy's directed three of them. Yes. Apparently... Yeah. There's a director's cut of the first one. Is there? I wonder. There's if its, it's just own, longer. Or? There's its own like entry on Letterbox for it. What's the runtime on the director's cut? It doesn't say. Hmm. Oh yeah, only sixty-six people have logged it though. Interesting. Well, anyway, it's um, it's pretty good. It, I'd recommend it. It almost seems like a fan added this one to Letterbox, like to the database, because the cover looks like a DVD cover. 
like the poster <laughs> on, on Letterboxd. Yeah, it probably wasn't on there, so they it's probably on the Blu-ray or something. I'm looking at it too. It says there's director commentary, behind the scenes videos. Interesting. Yeah, but anyway, I'm pretty sure the version I watched is the theatrical version, and it's um, definitely worth checking out. I give it four stars. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's pretty effective. Matt, what are we what doing with for. our lives? We need to end our podcast and create our own Hell House or Terrifier. These things, you can make three of them just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if he's if he's fucking made any money on them though? Probably just enough to make the next one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Just sell your house, and we'll use the money uh, to fund a shitty horror movie. We'll be the next. No, no, icons. we're shooting the movie in this house. In the house, that good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll just shoot it on iPhones, and uh, it'll be found footage, and it's gonna be huge. I could probably ride off my mortgage then, right? That's how yeah, that works. That's exactly how that works. Yep, <laughs> good idea. You just write it off. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right. I like this. I like this. We'll keep this going. We'll circle back right. to uh, the and we'll we'll create a, mo- a movie studio or a production it, company called Cinephiles Digest to put it out. It starts with the icon, though. We need a good horror icon. That we'll, we can. We'll brainstorm over some uh, some beers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. You can go next. Uh. So I will talk about. The Faculty rewatch. You talked about this not too long ago, I want to say. Maybe last Halloween? More recent than that. I think it might have even been like six months ago. Okay. This year. Yeah, sounds right. Um, Anyways, haven't seen this in a long time, uh, but it was a favorite of mine growing up. I actually bought the DVD of this years ago because there wasn't a Blu-ray that, that existed at the time. And I have I think that's the reason why I haven't watched this movie in such a long time, because like, I've had the DVD, but I never want to watch it because it's a fucking DVD. Right, <laughs> uh, right. I mean, really only under dire circumstances would you ever watch a DVD. So I don't know why I wasted money on the DVD back then, because it was <laughs> in the Blu-ray days, but it was I was like, I have to own this, but it's not on Blu-ray, so I guess I'll buy it on DVD. And then... It's like been sitting in my closet for the last six years <laughs> <laughs> or however long ago I bought it. But so it was streaming. I think it's on HBO Max. Yeah, that's where I would have watched it. And um, perfect time to rewatch it. So, yeah, finally did it. And I was surprised it still really holds up. I thought it might have just been one of those movies that I loved as a teenager and then it just didn't really age well. I mean, there's some stuff that, you know, maybe not age perfectly, like some of the special effects or there might be like a, a line or two that may be insensitive to today, but I don't mm. know, nothing really glaring to like say, oh, this movie's trash now. Right. Or or particularly dated. Like it's it's dated yeah. in a way that actually kind of makes it hold up. Because I mean, honestly, like even the, the creature at the end looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like really good for... 98 and like i don't think the budget for this was too big no that's the robert rodriguez magic my guy (laughs) (laughs) guy's a genius (laughs) but just what a great premise or idea of a movie i mean it's essentially like invasion of the body snatchers but in high school Mm -hmm. um 
And the movie even makes references to Invasion of the Body Snatchers and other horror movies. Like there's, it's not super meta, but there is like a slight meta aspect to the movie where the movie is like kind of aware of what type of movie it, they're in, like the characters. Right. Without explicitly saying or thinking they're in a movie. But <laughs> <laughs> there's just little nods to like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or just, you know, other horror films. They'll make like little lines or comments about it. Um, but yeah, it's just like it really entertaining. I mean, it is 90, so it does have the chance to be really, really dated. But I mean, I still think like the soundtrack's cool. The like, um, I don't think it's like a the Pink Floyd. Is it Pink Floyd? No. Mm-hmm. Who does the uh, Hey Teachers Leave Them Leave Those Kids Alone song? Oh, that's that's Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. Talking about the wall, I right? I don't think it's the original Pink Floyd song. I think it might be like a rendition of it, like a cover maybe. In the movie you're talking about? Yeah, I think. Oh, I don't remember. I can't recall. Well, either way, great use of that song in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just really entertaining. And um, it does have some really good sequences. I think you touched on the sequence last when you talked about it but the like the drug test scene it's i mean it seems like it's playing off of the scene in the thing kind of right the yeah very much drawing inspiration from that but yeah but that is a pretty tense scene and um i i i remember loving that scene as a kid but watching it now was just i don't know there's something about it that i it just really stuck with me but I do love the part when uh, Elijah Wood's character, you know, they they all have to take the drug to like prove that they're not um, one of the monsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so Elijah Wood goes first and then, you know, the other characters take it. And then it comes down to like the two girl, well, two of the girls in the room and they're like, you know, they're trying to get out of taking the drug or whatever. And, <laughs> Elisha would sit on the couch like high as a kite and he's like, showdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That part is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's just so, there's so many like just like weird moments like that that are that are pretty funny. Like very, very written, but like memorable, funny moments like that. Frodo, oh God, he's called him Frodo. Elijah Wood uh, <laughs> is is responsible for a few of them. He's good in that movie. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. pretty good in it. Yeah, I like all the like archetypes and just like the dynamics of each of them. I mean, it kind of has like a um, Breakfast Club vibe to it. You a know, little everyone... bit, yeah. They're all kind of like you said. They're archetypes. They're maybe even cliches to an extent, but it has fun yeah. with them. Yeah. Love Josh Hartnett's car in this movie. It's oh, yeah. fucking rad. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a really fun 90s horror sci-fi movie that um, still holds up quite a bit. Sweet. Yeah, that's a goodie. Um, so I'll real quick, I'll talk about uh, Sissy. This is one that Haley wanted to watch. It's it's pretty new. I think it just came out within the last like week or two. It's a Shudder original um, and Haley wanted to watch it, and I was like, okay, I'm down to watch it. Um, it was pretty good. So basically, it's about this, like, 
social media influencer who runs into her old best friend. Another one of these movies. Yeah, dude. (laughs) It's all the rage right now. (laughs) Hashtag sissy. It's, um... So she's she's like a social media influencer and she like runs into her like childhood best friend and gets invited to go with her on her bachelorette weekend. And then as the movie progresses, you find out that there's like some history there in that friend group. And it basically the movie is about like it's a it's a revenge movie, but it is playing with like self-victimization and like you know the way we use social media to like portray ourselves in a certain light that is kind of removing the the blemishes from your personality or your real life and it takes some pretty unexpected twists and turns um i think the lead actress is really good her name is Asha d She's really good and she's really convincing in the role. Um, but it's a pretty fun watch. Um, it's not a perfect movie. There's some stuff I didn't really like about it, but um, it's a pretty quick watch. It's like 95 minutes, 100 minutes, something like that. Um, there's some fun sequences. Um, like I said, some, the plot takes some twists and turns that are unexpected. Um, overall satisfying. Not a Not a great movie, but... I think I rated it like three and a half. So it's it's worth watching for sure. Um you probably like it, Travis. You think so? Yeah. I think I think you'd get a kick out of it. You would I think you would either like it about the same as me or potentially more, but probably about the same as me. So I don't know if you know Interesting. Not something that you like need to watch by any means, but it it could be one that uh Is this like a, a paid sponsor? Trying to get me to watch this, or yeah, this is all. I'm just all <laughs> Shutter content from here on out for me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty good though. It's it's worth a watch. Well, that runtime is it's over a hundred minutes. It's pushing it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's barely over. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> it does seem uh, like the perfect time to watch it, so maybe I'll include it. If you don't like watch a, it now, you're never going to. It's it's one of those, right. you know. It's like right. it's not you're not gonna want to come back to it, it, it down the road. I I have like a f- list of like 50 horror films to pull from for my 31 days of horror. I don't make a 31, you know, film list and then stick to that. Right. It's like Saturday, October 14th, I'm watching Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors or no, whatever. That's too strict. I would no, just I don't like kill myself. <laughs> uh so yeah, anything that like you know, looks interesting throughout the month or is the right runtime, I'm adding to my li- my uh, short long list of stuff to watch for this month. So <laughs> I will officially add Sissy and we will see if it makes the cut yeah like i said you're you're not gonna hate it how much you like it i have no idea but you would you would get some enjoyment out of it i'm sure cool yep my turn yep i've only got one more thing to talk about so all right i'll talk about this one quick non-horror related uh this is called marina marina Hmm. this is a foreign film i believe it's a 2022 release i think it was at 
the Cannes Film Festival and had some buzz. I think it won like a first time director award or something like that. Uh, so the plot synopsis is a teenage girl decides, well, that's a weird plot synopsis. I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> Does, it's not spoilery, but or? it's just weird because that's not actually what happens. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just say it. it says a teenage girl decides to replace her controlling father with his wealthy foreign friend during a weekend trip to the Adriatic Sea. It's not really what happens, though. The The movie is, you know, this girl, she's like 17. It's kind of like a coming-of-age story. Her dad sucks. It's like treats her... He's an asshole and like just treats her like dirt, basically. Sure. Um, and then his longtime friend comes for the weekend for, you know, reasons. And then they go <laughs> on this like boating excursion um, for the weekend. Um, <clears throat> and she's like a <clears throat> she's like a diver and like eel fisher. Is that what you call him? Eel fisher catcher. Yeah, uh, I don't know the semantics of <laughs> capturing eels, but sure. Um, so, yeah, she does that with her dad, and she's pretty good at it. Um, but anyways, it just, it kind of just, you spend the, the weekend with the characters, and um, it seems like the mom and the daughter are kind of more interested in the dad's friend and the dad and so there's like this weird dynamic so i like i really like the setup and thought it could be really interesting but ultimately where it goes it just was like pretty unsatisfying and it's got one of those endings that just like seems like it kind of just ends and i thought the ending was kind of weak um yeah it just i don't know it has like that setup that is intriguing but then also a little familiar just because it's like i don't know pretty obvious with what it's trying to like say or do with the the dad and daughter relationship um but like once it gets set into motion and just like the the conflict and like the climax and all that i was pretty disappointed by it like i think the movie looks good and there's like good performances and like there might be like some good commentary in there as well. But I, I just feel like I've seen some of this in other movies. And then again, I was pretty let down by the ending. Not that it was bad. It just like, I don't know. I feel like it just had more potential. Sure. Okay. Maybe it just didn't ultimately culminate in uh, something super satisfying. Not really. No. Hmm. Is that an AMC plus another AMC plus pick? That was actually on canopy. Oh, okay. But it's weird because when you look it up on Just Watch, it doesn't say it's streaming on Canopy. Um, but I was I went to Canopy to watch something specifically and saw it on there. So just letting everyone know it's on Canopy for free. Well, if you live in the Washington State area. I don't I don't know how Canopy exactly works, but I know based on your location you can have different like availability for titles okay interesting but yeah it, it was solid i mean it, it's it's definitely worth watching it's just i don't know if it would like make your top 10 or anything so don't right. know how high i would prioritize it okay well i'll keep it in mind maybe i might give it a poke 
Cool. Okay. Um, last thing I'm going to talk about. Um, you didn't get a chance to watch Do Revenge, did you? I know you had mentioned mm. you were like, oh, maybe I should watch that. Which you, one is that again? Do oh, Revenge, yeah, the, le- the Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking horror. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I watched Do Revenge with Haley. It was another one that she was interested in watching. Um. And I had heard some good things about it, so I was 100 percent down. Um. It was pretty good. It's really fun. Um. It's one of these like queer kind of Gen Z revenge movies that have been popular over the last several years, but it's got a, it's like a high school setting. Um, so it's basically about, uh, this girl played by Camilla Mendez who like meets a new student and they like decide to do each other's revenge. So like they each want revenge on a person. So they decide to like, do each other's revenge so they like plot to you know enact revenge on on their respective uh wrongdoer isn't this the setup for strangers on a train yes i've seen it referred to as uh queer gen z strangers on a train <laughs> mean That's... girls meets strangers on a train. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> it's very much that so it's it's pretty fun. It's got a fast pace and I didn't love everything that it was going for. Um, some of the like plot twists are a little goofy, but it's very entertaining. Um, you do grow to like the characters. Um, it's mean girls is a good comparison because it's, it's very stylized. Um, does it is it like darkly comedic? Like, does it have like a Heather's vibe at all? Um, not quite Heather's, but it is definitely going for like a a dark sense of humor in certain places. Or how about um, Moxie? Is it like Moxie at all? Yes. So I would say it's comparable to Moxie. So Moxie is another one that's like almost like YA vibes, like. That's a movie that I enjoyed but didn't love. I would put Do Revenge in a similar boat. Um, I like I gave them both three and a half stars. So yeah, I, I remember liking Moxie when I watched it, but I literally like haven't, haven't thought about, about, about it, it and like don't even really remember much other than Amy Poehler's in it, right? Yes. <laughs> well, she directed <laughs> it actually. Oh, really? Maybe I did know that and just forgot. But yeah. So Moxie is a little bit. Like, it doesn't have the same bite, so Moxie is, like, a little bit more of a feel-good story. Um, Do Revenge is more, like, dubiously structured, where it, like, tries to pull the rug out from under you, and, like, different characters have motivation, different motivations that reveal themselves as the movie goes on. So, um, it's not a great movie, but it's very entertaining. It's not something that I'm probably going to, you know, return to, but... I very much enjoyed my time watching it, um, but it, it's not anything like remarkable. It's well directed. I like Maya Hawk in it a lot. Camila Mendez, Mendez is good too, but Maya Hawk in particular, she is she gives a great performance. She's like unhinged and very likable. Um, so worth watching for her performance alone, but. Um, you know, it's sporadically funny, but not all of it worked for me. Not all the humor kind of landed. 
Um, so yeah, again, another one of those like worth a watch, but I'm not saying you have to watch it by any means. Like, I'm not going to go to bat for this one, but it's pretty good. I found it pretty entertaining. It looks pretty fun. And, um, I think Chelsea's interested, so probably a good candidate for me to watch. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Haley loved it. Yeah. She gave like four and a half stars or something. Paris gave it five. All right. Got potential. I mean, Paris gives everything five. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Have you seen her curve on Letterbox? <laughs> oh, it's. <laughs> I hope you're not listening, Paris, but it's embarrassing. <laughs> Listen, Paris is the only one on this podcast who actually likes movies anymore. <laughs> That's Paris <true>. loves movies. <laughs> I think we're just envious of her. <laughs> yeah, her point. ability to enjoy life, <laughs> yes. or at least movies. At least movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, worth a watch. I'm sure I'll get to that before the end of the year. Yeah, for it, it's prime prime cram jam pick. Have you ever seen uh, Strangers on a Train though? No, I've never seen it. Mm. I actually watched that. Well, it was in like an English class, but it was the English class was like a more so like a paper class, and we focused mostly on like poems. But we did have a film section in that class. And one of the films we got to watch was uh, *Strangers on a Train*, and the that was actually probably one of my favorite like professors that I had at the community college I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually, we, we I think we watched the movie in like two sessions because it was only like a fifty-minute class or something. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like probably one of my only like true like film class experiences because we would like stop the movie, talk about it. He would like give us insight. So that's the only time I've ever seen it, but it was a cool experience. I would like to rewatch it though. I remember there being one really cool sequence towards the end. I think it's at like a circus or something or like a, maybe not a circus, but like a, uh, like like a carnival park. Yeah. A carnival type thing. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I've always wanted to watch it, but I've never actually seen it. Got to do it. Okay. All right. You got anything else? I think we're done. Fuck yeah, dude. All right. Well, uh, you've all been dying for it, but Digest is returning. We're going to be recording that uh, a couple days from now. So took a long hiatus because my boy over here wanted to pick two fucking three-hour movies and pick a three-hour movie for this show. So... Took some time to make the. That time. wasn't the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you it's, moved across country. I yeah, vacation yeah, to you're Europe. Europe. Who cares, Nas? No excuses. excuses. Watch them on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but regardless, we're finally getting back into it. So there will be a digest episode hitting the feed soon. So we'll be doing uh, the Wailing and I Saw the Devil. So stay tuned for that. Um, I don't know what we got on board. For this show next, I'm definitely seeing Halloween Ends, um, and I will I never be... never even watched Halloween Kills. Oh, you gotta, dude. You gotta weigh in <laughs> on the discourse. <laughs> People love to hate that thing, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I'm I So I gave it three stars. I'm pre-watching the rewatch at a four. I'm force-feeding that thing hard. I can't okay. wait. Um, so I'll get How that about, rewatch um, in. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. 
can't believe that that is a thing that exists. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I'm not curious just because I want to know what the fuck happened to like I mean fucking Javier Bardem is in that movie like dude what has happened to him he hasn't been in a good movie in a while (laughs) like ever since he won the Oscar for No Country for Old Men he just like I don't know they like turned him into a caricature and now he just I don't know just like weird offbeat roles or like crazy over the top ones like Two movies that come to mind are like, um, is it Skyfall? Yes, he's the villain in Skyfall. And then um, The Counselor. Oh, yeah, for the Cormac McCarthy one, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck happened in that movie? Uh, He did do Mother, to be fair. Oh, yeah, true. He did do that. Yeah, and he was in that movie last year with Nicole Kidman um, being the Ricardos. Oh, yep. So he's not completely a joke, but borderline, I'm borderline out on, like, I used to be so stoked to see a movie just because he was in it, you know? Right, exactly. Like, I mean, his performance is pretty good in Mother, and I guess it's also pretty good in being the Ricardos, but I think I'm just waiting. I mean, he'll never do another Anton Sugar, but... You want another showstopper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he was in, he was had amazing performances before like the sea inside like he's amazing mm-hmm. in that movie and um what was that one where he plays um like before night falls is that what it's called he plays some like it's like a biographical film he's really good in that movie too that was like one of his earlier roles but yeah before night falls um yeah he used to he used to put butts in seats and now it's like I don't know what the fuck is going on. He's cashing checks, I guess, but I don't know. It's just weird to see him go from Anton Sugar to fucking Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious, but Oh, and um I'm I don't I'm probably not gonna see Amsterdam. But why is that? I just I you don't, don't care. I don't like David O. Russell anymore. Or really out. ever. You know what the best David O. Russell movie is? It's I Heart Huckabees. Oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't liked a David O. Russell movie since The Fighter. So I'm. What about Silver Linings? Oh, yeah. That's David O. Russell. Was the, the Fighter was after Silver Linings Playbook, though, wasn't it? Mm-mm. Before. Oh, okay. Well, Silver Linings Playbook is good, but American Hustle is dog shit. Um, Joy was not great. I didn't even see Joy. Um. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not interested. Plus, it seems like people don't like Amsterdam anyway, so. I mean, if you wanted to, if we wanted to do it, I would see it, but, like, I'm I'm out. Um, I mean, it's not at the top of my list. There's a lot of stuff in theaters that I'd like to catch up with, and, yeah, that, that one's not the first one. But um, I'm, I'm down for whatever. We can um We'll talk about it about off it. air. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll, we'll be back. We'll, we'll find something to watch. But uh, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to the feed so anytime we got a new episode that comes out, you can just get right in there and check her out. But uh, that's going to be it for this one. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you later.